0: Ephesians chapter five, verses twenty five to twenty eight this morning. Okay, you guys know the drill. What's the theme of Ephesians chapters one, two and three? Christian, you are wealthy chapters four, five and six. Now, therefore, walk worthy. It's important to always say it at least once, because the things we're looking at, chapters four, five and six are commands. They are definitely commands from the Lord, but they are not, I repeat, not Ways that we are to try to earn God's love. No, these are simply ways that we return the love that he's shown to us in chapters one, two and three. Okay, one of the ways that we can return his love, that we are commanded to return his love, is to submit one to another. Look at that. Ephesians five, verse twenty one. We are to be submitting to one another, it says, in the fear of God. This was the, the dirty word that we introduced last week. Submit, right? Hupotasso in the Greek. In the, the military version of it is to fall in line, to carry out orders. The non-military use is to be a team player, to have a voluntary attitude of cooperating, of giving in. Um, it refers to recognizing and not resisting authority. Okay? Last week, we learned some things about this word Submission. We spoke them to the wives, and uh, but we, we 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 covered chapters uh, verses 21 to 24 in reference to the wives. But we learned some things about submission in general, right? Remember those? First, submission is supernatural. It's not natural, right? Again, wives, is it natural? Just easiest cake for you to submit? No. Husbands, is it natural, just super easy for you to love your wives as Christ loved the church? I think as we go through here, you'll see. "Uh, No, it's not. It's supernatural. That means that verse 18 becomes very important in this chapter where it says, be ye being filled. That's the the proper tense, if you understand it. Constantly be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, there's no way you're going to submit to one another in the fear of God. Okay, so submission is supernatural number 2 it is universal everyone submits to someone we see it in this whole the last chapter of last half of chapter 5 and the first half of chapter 6 is all about how we submit to one another First, he addresses wives, then he addresses husbands, then he addresses children. Chapter six, verse one, then he addresses uh, parents, then he addresses employees and employers. All of it is look, this is how you live a spirit filled submitting life with one another. Okay, so submission is supernatural. It's universal. This needs to be said. Number three, it's not optional. These are all commands in chapters five and six. Okay. Every time we see these things, they are commands. But number four, and this hopefully, hopefully was helpful last week, and I want to say it again this week. Number four submission is not only supernatural, universal, not optional, but it's also personal. That is, it's between the person being addressed last week. That person was the wives and the Lord. This week, it's between the husbands and the Lord. Okay? Okay. So I'll say the same things to the wives that I did last week uh, to the husbands in regard to the wife. Wives, this week it's your turn to keep your mouth closed and not to go to your husband. Yeah, you're supposed to love me like 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 Jesus loves the church, right? This week I'm going to say the same thing to you that I said to the husbands. Don't ruin what the Lord might be trying to do this very day on your behalf. He might be trying to bless you with an awesome marriage that you haven't even known before. Don't ruin it by taking the place of the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right, last week, Paul said to the wives Look, here's how you submit to Jesus by submitting to your husband, by letting your husband lead. Now, how many weren't here last week? Okay? Um, If you are a wife and just those words by themselves make. that the hair stand up on the back of your neck. I encourage you to pick up a CD or listen online because you might be surprised. See, the devil wants to talk, wants us to think of submission in a very incorrect way. What the Bible says about submission, submission in general and submission within a marriage is beautiful. And I hope that that came across last week. So last week, it was the wife's turn. Husband, guess what? It's our turn now. Woohoo. Wow, it got really quiet there. Um, Husbands, it's our turn. This is how we get to submit to the authority of our king, Jesus. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, even if you weren't here last week, just those words at first glance, even without really studying them, should expose the lie of the enemy. Right? That the devil, again, wants wives and husbands to think that submission means subjection, that submission means male superiority and them subjugating their wives. Just the way the world thinks is often spoken this way. Woman, you'll do what I want because I'm your husband. Reminds me of that old story. Some of you may have heard it. Husband and wife long ago got married in a country church. They head off to their honeymoon in a horse and carriage. A few miles down the road, the horse acts up a little bit. Husband whips the horse and says, that's one horse continues on a few miles further. Same thing happens. Husband whips the horse again, says, that's two. Finally, about an hour later, the horse acts up again. Husband says, that's three. Pulls out a shotgun, shoots the horse dead in its track. The wife is like, I can't believe it. You're so cruel. You're so impatient. I can't believe I married you. That's one. <laughs> That's how some guys think. Yeah, okay, enough of that. (laughs) That's how some guys think. But listen, it's the opposite of what Paul commands here for husbands. Let's read it again. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. If you remember last week, Paul said to the wives, verses 22 through 24, look, it's hard to describe, but there's almost this mystical link between our earthly Christian marriages and Christ and his church, right? We don't really understand it, but every Christian marriage is supposed to be a picture of Jesus and his bride, the church. Well, today, Paul looks at the husband's. And he reads the playbill to the husbands and says, uh, playing the role of Jesus in today's performance is you. No pressure, guys. Paul says, look, here's all I want you to do. Easy peasy. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved the church. <laughs> yeah, that's all. OK, I got that one locked up. I don't think so. It's, it's impossible. But, y'all, it is the standard. It's the command that he gives us. Again, it's supernatural. If up to this point, you haven't really thought much about your need for the Holy Spirit to be filled to overflowing, this should do it. Husbands, you're supposed to love your wives just exactly like Christ loves the church. As we are filled with this Holy Spirit, even though it's impossible to achieve on this side of heaven, this much I'm sure of, we can be much closer to that than we are, husbands. And all the wives said, Amen. And the closer we get the happier our wives will be, and the happier our wives are, the happier our lives are. So, let's begin. Husbands, here's your command. Love your wives just as or just like Christ also loved the church. So, apparently, we can learn a lot by looking at how Jesus loves his bride, the church, right? Well, how did he love his bride? Well, I found three, a three-part answer, if you will. Verse 25, we're going to see what Jesus gave for his bride. Verse 26, we're going to see why he gave for his bride. That is his goal. And verse 27, we're going to see what he gets in return. Now, quick, just again, because what happens here, and it's a good thing, again, this is addressing the husband. So the wives aren't to be nudging the husbands. OK, but. You could also make the argument. But you could also make the argument. Well, then, why am I here? Oh, no, there's so much in here for every single Christian. Let me ask you, who is Jesus bride? The church. You. You guys are the bride of Christ. So as we look at these three thi- th- three things, I want to point out to you, Christian, if you're born again, if you're part of his bride, please let this remind you how much He loves you. And if you're not yet born again, if you don't have a relationship with Him, I pray that you will want to be part of the bride of Christ as you see how glorious He is, how loving He is. So, first, the first way we see how Christ loves His bride is in what He gave for her. Okay? You guys... Read it and tell me you guys put in the word and tell me what he gave. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself, himself for her. First Timothy two six says that he gave himself our ransom for all Galatians. One four says that he gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this pres- present evil age, according to the will of our God and father. Galatians two twenty says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The word gave there is paradidomi. It means to deliver one up into custody, to be judged, condemned, punished, scourged, tormented, put to death. And it says he Christ loved the church and he gave himself on behalf of. Let me, let me summarize this if I can. The primary way that Jesus shows that he loves you, his bride, is that he died instead of you to pay for your sin. He died in your place. Romans uh, five, verses six and eight, six through eight. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was us. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, and I like this definition of it, while we were still devoted to sin, Christ died for us. Before we even talk about marriage, Christian, soak this in. God the Father and God the Son, they loved you so much that while you were still devoted to sin, Jesus died for you to take away your sin. That's what he gave all of himself. Now, husbands, what does that mean? What are we to give our wives ourselves? Many of you probably already do that. You come home and you go, ta da, here I am. No, wait, wait, let me make this clear. We're to give ourselves sacrificially. We're to die to ourselves. Joe Foch, the pastor up in Philly, puts it this way. Jesus entered into our world of chaos and died for us. Husbands, when you come home from work from work a long day, you want to just sit and veg. You get home and the kids are climbing the walls and your wife is stressed out. You are to enter into her world and die there. (laughs) Amen. That that is we're to listen, it's it's true that we are to die to ourselves. See, Paul is reminding us that Jesus gave himself for us sacrificially. It cost him something. I dare say that most husbands, maybe all the husbands in this room, you would lay down your life for your wife in a gun battle, hopefully not with your wife. (laughs) You would lay down your life for her. But here's the deal. most of us would, would sign up and say, yeah, I would do that in a second. Y'all, it doesn't happen that way very often. Most often, we are called to lay down our lives one small sacrifice at a time. Use this illustration a while ago. and I'm in, uh, I was going to say I'm in, in premarital counseling, but no, I'm giving premarital counseling. And this illustration uh, really helped the guy to understand. Okay, imagine again, your, your, your life is worth $10 million. Okay, you're rarely called upon to give all 10 million at once. A lot of times it's, well, here's a dollar, (laughs) right? It's dying to self one small piece at a time. Okay, Husbands, Jesus left his throne room in heaven with all of its amenities, its privileges. And he came into this sin soaked, chaotic world to sacrifice himself for you. And we're to do the same for our wives. Not to earn his love but to return it. So, we see what he gave. Now, let's see why he gave it. I'm guessing, I think you could figure it out too, it has something to do with cleansing. I'm going to read the next few verses. You guys read all the clean and shiny words when I pause. Ready? He did all this that he might, verse 26, sanctify sanctify and cleanse cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her, her to himself a glorious that means shining church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without you guys see it? Let me speak again first to the church. The reason that Jesus gave himself for you is so that he might begin the process to sanctify you, to cleanse you with the washing. Of water by the word. The word sanctify means to be free from guilt, to purify internally by the renewing of the soul. The word cleanse, there's catharizo, is where we get catheter, and it means to cleanse of impurities. It's used of, of cleansing a leper, to free from the defilement of sin and from faults. What Jesus gave was Himself to pay for the penalty of sin. So that he could declare you clean. What do we call that? We call that justification. Justify. Just as if I'd never sinned, right? And the reason that he gave it was that he might begin the process of sanctification. He died that he might declare you sinless. But he lives to make you sin less. Make sense? This, He died and, and now he's in the process of, of working on you and saying, OK, that's got to go. This has got to go. Making you a better person. And here's how he does it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Jesus cleanses us day to day. Glory to glory. It says by his word. Y'all, that's why we put, if you've been around for a while, we put so much emphasis here on abiding in Him and in His Word. Let me put it a different way. If you try to be a better person, if you try to, just by your own good works, your own efforts, if you try to be a better person, you will fail. But if you abide in Him and He in you, John 15, if you let Him do the work, Jesus never fails. Mm-hmm. But interesting, you would think that the word here, that that word would be logos. But here in this verse, it's rhema. Many of you know that's not just the written word, that's the spoken word. Here's how it works for me. As I spend time with his word, as I abide in him and he in me, he uses that word to speak to me. And as he does, he cleanses me over time that I might become what he's already declared me to be pure. Does that make sense? Church, I want you to be encouraged. Jesus did not die for you so that you could sanctify and cleanse yourself. He died for you so that he could sanctify you and cleanse you. That's what it says here. It's like Jesus died for you and then said, man, there's a there's a work. There's work to be done. I can't wait to get my hands on that project. Now, husbands, what does this mean for us? Well, it means, husbands, that your goal, your lifelong job for your wife, should be the same that Jesus had for his precious bride, the church. Husbands, our goal should be our wife's purity, her freedom from guilt or shame. Husbands, fathers, heads of the home, we are the ones who will answer before God as to our wives and our family. Are they more pure or less so under our headship? Many husbands might be thinking, well, I do my part. I point out my wife's faults very consistently. A day doesn't go by that I don't tell her she needs to be better. I I don't think you're noticing the tenderness of these words here. Who's the real active person in this picture? Is it the wife? No, it's the husband. The husband is not subjecting. He's not just commanding. He's serving. Doesn't that remind you of John 13? Where Jesus, it says, that the night before he was betrayed, he knew that the Father had given all things into his hands. In other words, he had all authority. He rose from supper and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet, his bride's feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Y'all, the active person in that picture is Jesus. Let me remind you, men, playing the part of Jesus, you. It's the husband who's taking the active role that's tenderly making sure his bride is clean. Let me get up in your grill a little bit more. (laughs) You're like, I thought you already were. Husbands, if your wife is the one who says in the home, I don't want that filth in our house. You're falling down on the job. No, actually, more than that, you have it completely backwards. That's our gig. Our gig as husbands is to be the purifying uh, force, the, the factor that's actually moving toward purity. Another thing, this is, to me, definitely a picture of progress, right? We need to understand, husbands, that the object of our affection is not perfect. You're like, well, I, did, I already knew that. No, but here's the thing. Because of you and the way that you love her, through especially the spoken word, the rhema, she should be getting better. Let me ask it a different way. Husbands, is your wife blossoming? Is she a better person having married you? Because she's loved and she's secure. About five minutes ago, I remembered that I failed to play the movie that that I made. Um, That'll be ready. Maybe if we have time, maybe we'll play it at the end. Um, But one of the questions I asked of a, a few ladies here in the church. Hey. How has your marriage to this particular person improved you as a better person? Now, if I were to go around the room today and ask your wife, would she be like, um, can I get back with you on that? We're supposed to be helping our wives impure. Now, side note to the wives again. Please understand this is not an excuse for you. It's not like you can say, well, the reason I'm awful to be around is that my husband doesn't love me like Christ loved the church. No, wait a second. If, wise. if you're the bride of Christ, that means he's your husband. And I can tell you there are many examples, maybe not many, because hopefully there are many examples of husbands who are loving their wives. But there are some examples in this church. Of very beautiful ladies who look to Christ as their groom. And those ladies are in full bloom. No matter how much their husbands may be falling down on the job. But it is true, husbands, that our wives are responders. Again, we looked at it. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 is filled with how the husband blesses us, the bride, the church. And now it's our turn to respond. Husbands are generally the, the, uh, the ones that should be acting. And the wives are the responders. And in general, they are not always But I think more than we think in general, they are our wives are what we make them. Matter of fact, we're going to see that in verse 27. We've seen what Jesus gave, which was himself sacrificially. We've seen why he gave it to sanctify, to cleanse us. And here's what he gets in return, guys. Let us back up. Husband loves your wives, uh, just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Here's what he gets that he might present her to himself a glorious church the word glorious means shiny it means held in good esteem uh, of high repute illustrious honorable esteemed that he might present her, her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and without blemish verse 28 so husband so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body in other words Y'all, that's how husbands ought to love their own wives. And what does it mean? It says to present to himself. Excuse me. It means to place beside. I can't help but think that the picture here is of a bride and a groom at the altar. That he might present on that glorious day, present her, the church, a glorious (laughs) day. Bride. Again, let me speak to the church at large. Jesus chose you. He gave himself for you. He took you on as his purity project. And what this verse says is awesome. It says, what's in it for him? A glorious bride. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. That we would be holy without blemish. Be encouraged. Again, this is kind of a heavy message for some of us. Be encouraged, though, church, you are his project and he's determined to present you to himself, pure, righteous, glorious. Philippians 1, 6 says he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You all isn't it good to know that we, the church, are Jesus's wedding present to himself? That's what's happening here. And he will make sure that we are spotless without blemish. And without wrinkles. Sweet. Okay, now, husbands, do you see the principle that's emerging here? Think about this. Your wife, your lifelong partner, is in a very real sense the product of your own making. What the scriptures say here is if you will enter into her world and die there, If you will sacrificially love her, if you will make your goal, her purity, her improvement, her blossoming, guess what you get in return? An awesome, glorious bride. Forgive the analogy, but a spiritual hottie. (laughs) Okay, for some of you now it registers. (laughs) That's what you get. Husbands, we present ourselves with the bride that we over time have made. No wonder, Paul says at the end of verse 28 He who loves his wife loves himself. Do you get it? Listen, if you're a husband today and you say, Look, I don't know what happened, I can't understand it. She was so sweet, she was so nice before we got married, and now she's awful. Guess what happened? You. In large part, our wives are what we make them to be. If you, it truly, truly, if you, if you have that, that conversation in your head, you think, what happened to her? How did she get this way? She was so nice when I first met her. You need to ask yourself, where are the words of encouragement for her? Where's the washing of her feet by her leader? Don McClure told of a story where he was doing counseling and this very conversation happened from a husband he said, I don't understand this. Is my was my third wife. And and two years ago, she was the sweetest thing. Oh, She was just awesome. And now look at her. She's a mess. She's spiteful, hateful. Don McClure turned to in and said, uh, Congratulations. You did in two years what takes most men ten years to do. (laughs) See, it's easy to to tell. I can tell you, actually, I I won't. But for the most part, I can pretty much tell you who loves their wives by looking at their wives. It's easy to see a bride who is loved and one who is not. Let's put this in guy terms, okay? Imagine, guys, if you... We're going to the store, uh, the, the car store, and you were going to purchase one car for the rest of your life. Because that's what we're supposed to do, right? One wife for one life. Imagine you were to, and you knew that this was going to be the only car you would ever have. Wouldn't you change the oil? Wouldn't you wash it? Wouldn't you do all of those things to to sanctify? That thing. Here's the deal. And we even have a a phrase that covers this. You hear it in today's culture. Well, I'm going to trade her in for a new model. And then what happens? You run that one into the ground. And then you wonder, why do I have such poor choice in cars? Why do I have such poor choice in women? They all seem so good at first. Listen, if you're convicted, that's good. I've been praying for that. But I also want to encourage you, husbands, it's not too late. I feel the spirit moving over these last few weeks. We've been asking him for crisis. And what he's been encouraging me to pray for over these last few weeks is marriages that are resurrected. Husbands, don't give up. Instead, decide that you're going to love her. Decide, present to yourself over time a glorious bride without spot or blemish. Interesting, as I'm closing here, it occurred to me how good God is, how much he loves us. He talks to us again in our own language. Really, when you break this down, it seems to me like God kind of took into account the male brain, the way we look at things. Because we, we learned what Jesus gave was himself, right? We learned why he gave it. In other words, what his goal was. And we learned what was in it for him. Isn't that what guys, how we think? Okay, what's it going to cost me? <laughs> right? Okay, what's my goal? What, how will I know that I succeeded? And what's in it for me? It's all right here. What he gave was himself. That's what we're required to do. What his goal was, was her Purity. That should be our goal, husbands. Nurturing, washing, caring for. And what's in it for you, husband? A glorious bride. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. You've made it very clear in this thread. Lord, that you love us so much. And that you are willing to, to come and to to die, to come to our world and die here, that we might come to your world and live there. A pure, awesome, glorified bride. Pray that you'd help us today. Just to, to make sense of it, Lord, to understand. Lord, I do um I continually pray for conviction, but I also pray against condemnation. Lord the the enemy would probably take some some guys here and make them feel like it's hopeless, like they have ruined things so badly that they couldn't turn it around. Lord, I ask that you would, by your spirit, remind us you're the God of resurrection. You're the one who makes all things glorious if we'll surrender them to you. Lord, help us to surrender our, our our marriages to you today in Jesus' precious name. Amen.